Greetings from the Athletics Recreation Center. A few pre-pod announcements for you. Children are to be under the supervision of a parent or guardian at all times. Valparaiso University is a smoke-free campus. Please refrain from using tobacco products anywhere on university property. We thank you for your cooperation. And now your hosts from Las Vegas, Nevada, Parker Gatewood, and from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Paul Oren. Welcome to Union Street Hoops! Greetings and welcome to Union Street Hoops, a weekly podcast that you can hear every week on NWI.com and on iTunes. Happy holidays, everybody. I'm your host, Paul Oren, alongside co-host Parker Gatewood at Parker B. Gatewood on Twitter. And I'm at NWI Oren on Twitter. And Parker, it's an exciting week, uh, not only for Valpo basketball, but just for life in general. And oh, I, yeah, big time. I, I put this out on Facebook. Yes, I voted. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, Star Wars comes out it sure does. on Thursday. Yeah. Eminem comes out on Friday. <laughs> yep. For those who care about this sort of thing, the semester is over on Friday. That's a big one for a lot of people. For a few of us right. on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, Valpo's got a game against Northwestern for the first time in like 38 years. Yep. That's before either one of us were born. Yes. It's, uh, it's exciting. Mm-hmm. And bowl it's, games. And bowl. Look, I needed, a, <laughs> I needed a fourth option for my Twitter question. Right, right. And I felt like putting the semester ending wasn't that big of a deal. Uh, I was going to put, what are you most excited for on my Twitter poll question? Star Wars The Last Jedi, watching... All of the other seven Star Wars movies, <laughs> Valpo Northwestern or Eminem. Yeah, yeah. Or listening to every other Eminem album that's out there. <laughs> that's good. Uh, you know, it's funny. It That was a good poll. At Star Wars won 39 to 38% over Valpo Northwestern. And yeah, then, I tell you what, they're, you know, they're passionate fans. And then Eminem beat bowl games 13 to 12% of the consolation. Solid. Bracket. I don't know why people are sleeping on Eminem. Well, yeah, I mean, it's been a minute, but well, he I'm did, excited I'm for excited. It. I'm really excited for Eminem, but that also kind of shows my age or, or whatever. I mean, also, um, Wayne on Christmas, Dedication 6. Yes, that's right. That's Very right. Exciting. Lil Wayne coming out. So a lot of good, a lot of good hip hop coming out, and uh, and Sia had a Christmas album that just came oh, out. So that's excited. Fascinating. Uh, that, this is not a music podcast. No, I, I no. Would, Although would, fair to say, both of us know a decent amount about music. We do, but I don't know. I mean, the music that I know about is not really the kind of music that I mean. I just like I get excited if Moby would come out with a new album. <laughs> right. And I'm the only person in Northwest yeah, sure, Indiana. Yeah, sure. Okay, uh, Parker, the sky is falling for the Valpo basketball team. <laughs> or at least the people surrounding the program. They've lost two games in a row, two regular season games in a row for the first time since the end of the 13-14 season when Alec and his group were freshmen. Valpo, their leading player, their best player, Tavon Walker, has got mono. And later on in the program, we'll have a special guest, Milo Stovall, former Valpo basketball player who dealt with mono himself at the end of his junior year and had to be held out of the mid-continent conference tournament because of mono and that probably ultimately led to valpo losing to southern utah and then uh, on a somber note parker we've got a, a second special guest former valpo assistant basketball coach joe otis was with the program 40 years ago when the evansville basketball team had a horrific plane crash that killed 29 people on board uh, Joe Otis was an assistant with the Valpo basketball team, and it was 
the, the crazy story, people thought that Valpo was on that plane because it's the plane that Valpo was supposed to be on. And, oh, wow. And everything kind of changed. And I wrote about this a couple of years ago, interviewed the voice of Union Street Hoops, John Bowker. He was manning the phones at WVUR that night. And, and people, I think it was UPI or AP, one had reported that Valpo's basketball team went down in that plane crash. And uh, fortunately, it did not. Unfortunately, 29 people, many of which affiliated with the Evansville basketball team, did perish 40 years ago tonight, December 13th, 1977. And Coach Joe Otis, longtime high school coach and college coach in the area, will share his thoughts. Coach, thanks for joining us today. It's the 40th anniversary of the plane crash of the University of Evansville basketball team. And you just wrote a very, very moving kind of account on your personal Facebook page where you share all sorts of great information how difficult is a day like today for you? Well, you know, you go back in time, and you know, Evansville was this huge powerhouse, you know, and they won five, uh, I think, you know, they've called them Division Two championships, but I always thought it was just small college, uh, you know, that we only had two divisions, major college and small college in the old days. But, you know, the legendary Arid McCutcheon was the coach, and, you know, there's just so many uh, things that go into that story. And someone had sent me the series from the uh, Evansville paper that started on December 7th, actually. And, and uh, it just got me to thinking that, you know, that here this was the 40th anniversary and stuff. And I'm kind of surprised today that I didn't see anything in the paper because it really did touch our community um, in this tragic way because for a few hours that night they had mistakenly reported that we were on the team because we were using the same charter service in the same plane that was you know we were going to play at missouri they were going to drop us off they'd go back and pick up evansville to go to middle tennessee state and murfreesboro then come back and get us and bring us home that night um and you know we were going division one on a shoestring budget i think evansville may have had more resources because they were going in the day before their game, uh, which is rather typical, I think, on a college level and has been for a long time. And, you know, we'd avoid spending the night there. But as it turned out, this tragic sequence of events, you know, we were grounded by fog in St. Louis. We ended up driving there to play the game. And, uh, you know, then, as I said in the thing I had written on my Facebook page, uh, miraculously at halftime we were tied but we also found out that the Evansville plane had crashed. And really, there couldn't have been very many people in our locker room who didn't know somebody who was involved because most of their players were still from Indiana and Illinois, as were ours. And, you know, uh, it, it was just horrible. But, but that misinformation, and I don't remember, you know, if it was the AP or the UPI, that we were on the plane with them created a lot of uh, headaches for um, families. and Yeah, and, and I thought something that you wrote that was really tough here was you had to stand side-by-side side with your players as they made collect phone calls home to let them know that they were okay. Now, your family, you know, you said your brother had kind of uh, kept your, your mother from knowing anything, but a lot of the moms on the team – didn't didn't have that advantage and they all feared the worst uh what what was that moment like there as as your players are calling home and letting mom know that they're okay it, it was just horrific um 
I mean, you know, you could hear these mothers sobbing on the other end of the phone when, you know, they recognize the voices of their sons. And today we live in a world of instantaneous, you know, texting and talking and everything else. You know, back then, getting a hold of people was really hard. And my, my brother had called home, I think, to check and see if my mom had heard the news, uh, our mother, and um, and she had <laughs> I don't know why, but his gut told him, well, just don't tell her yet, you know, uh, because he was thinking that, you know, I was on that plane and then I was gone. Uh, so, but the head coach, Ken Rocklitz, his wife, Carla, was at home with their two small children and the minister was there. And, uh, you know, it was uh, this very tense situation for them. And then people were trying to check by um, – you know, going to the radio to see if our game was on. Well, Rex Troutman, who broadcasts the games and his equipment, that that was with us. Um, and he traveled with us, and, and so he was stuck on those cars driving. The, you know, the, the game didn't start till 8.45. It was scheduled to start at 7.30. And so um, that just made things even worse because when you turned on the radio and there was no game, it kind of confirmed these erroneous news reports. So, yeah, it was. I'm, I'm sure that most of the players will tell you that at some point, you know, in their worlds, whether it was their family or friends, people found out about the plane crash, but they had also heard the uh, erroneous report that we were on it. So, um, yeah, it was chaos. And you, you called it the most gut wrenching, heartbreaking, devastating night of your basketball life. I, how do you uh, do? You, do you remember? Did did Valpo play Evansville any time after that, or 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 what was your first memory of maybe going back to Evansville or anything along those lines? Well, they, um, no, we hadn't played them. Uh, um, you know, after that, uh, you know, they didn't have a team the next year, and we didn't play them that year, and um, I can't remember. Um, because we had kind of gone our separate ways in Division One, uh, I, I can't remember what conference they had joined, but we still weren't in a conference when I left in 1980 to go to Port. So um, it was, um, you know, it, it was just um, a horrible situation because, as I pointed out, I had kind of um, recruited not very heavily two of the players, and one was. Uh, on that team, on the Evansville team, Ray Comandella from Munster, who played for Mike Copper, who was, you know, of course, a Valpo High School legend, the guy that made 409 free throws in a row at lunch and started Indiana State where they were a national runner-up in that tournament that Evansville was uh, winning, you know, uh, five times. But um, And then Mark Siegel from Pike, who was – like a smaller, I mean, not smaller because Billy Shepard wasn't very big, but a, like a Billy Shepard clone. He had tremendous yeah. shooting range and stuff, and he played for his dad, Ed Siegel, whom I had met a couple years earlier when Virgil Sweet, my high school coach, introduced me to Ed. Ironically, Ed and I both started our head coaching careers in LaPorte County, but he was at the township school, Stillwell, in the early 50s. Um, and, you know, he was a very successful coach and stuff, and it it was just sad, you know. I mean, I, just that's you can just keep using that word over and over again because there were all sorts of programs 
you know, throughout Indiana who lost players um, and Illinois, um, you know, that night in that plane crash. It's crazy to me. I know we got to wrap up here, but, you know, with all the travel that professional and collegiate teams do, it's 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 a wonder that things like this don't happen more often just by sheer odds. Uh, but when it does happen, it's it's so tough. And you write here about uh, about when you guys took off and you landed back at Porter County Airport. Um, what what was that flight home like? Obviously, you knew what had happened. You got to be nervous about even flying with the weather the way that it was. But what do you remember about about the flight and about landing? Well, you know, we drove two hours from St. Louis to Columbia to play that night on Friday, December thirteenth, and then we played. Um, our plane, whose first priority was to get in and get us back home, somehow made it into the airport. There was an opening at some point, but it was the only plane that made it in all day. And then the next morning we took off, but, you know, there was a real low cloud ceiling. And, I mean, we got up not very high, a couple thousand feet, and we were in the clouds. And it was like that the whole way home. And that was really unnerving, I think, for all of us. You know, this uncertainty. You couldn't look out the window and see the ground or anything. And when we landed at Porter County Airport, just this huge convulsive cheer went up, you know, uh, kind of thankful that we you know were on the ground again and it stopped like at exactly the same instant out of like this kind of guilt and shame that we all felt for celebrating you know um but i you know like i said i I thought the most you know one of the more tragic elements was here's bobby watson the new head coach he's coached four games at evansville and he's died in a plane crash and you know Back in the late 60s, he did two tours in Vietnam, earned the Bronze Star, had five Purple Hearts, which, you know, just probably signified how close he came to dying many times in Vietnam. And then he dies in a plane crash, you know. Um, so, Some great articles, uh, the Courier Press in Evansville. John Martin did some really good stuff. And, uh, and again, Coach, thank you very much. We... There's hours and hours of memories that we could talk about here uh, of, uh, of much kind of better events, and, and maybe we'll get to those at some point. But thank you very much. Uh, happy holidays to you and your family, and thank you for sharing. Thanks, Paul. Not to be too much of a downer, there's a difference between that and Valpo losing two games in a row. Yep. But, uh, you, you know, you, I know you didn't get a chance. The finals are going on right now. Uh, didn't get a chance really to spend much time in the Ball State game. The Purdue game, on the other hand, uh, you know, Jim Peters, C.J. Peters joined me for a uh, post-mortem podcast. They're Purdue fans. But did you catch any of the game? What did you think about the fallout of that whole thing? Yeah, I caught I mean, I caught a little bit, but not a ton. I mostly followed the game on on a stat broadcast. But, it, yeah, I mean, right out of the gate, you know, things were semi, semi-close. It was competitive, and then, 15-12 at one point. Yeah, and then, um, but then, you know, Purdue got on a roll. As we kind of figured they would, and I think we talked about this. You know, how much do you do you learn from this after that? You know what I mean? Yeah, it, it was really we had kind of talked about how the Ball State game was going to be the the start of mm-hmm. what was going on. Looking at some of the stat lines of this game, though, are just really kind of uh, eye popping. Uh, Parker Hazen, 
is it, you know, I the guy has started the first 10 games of the year, and, I mean, there was a time, a long time ago, when a reporter in the area wrote, could he be the next Alec Peters? Yeah, I remember that. And I look, I'm not trying to, the guy's a freshman. No, freshmen yeah, absolutely. Are supposed to, sure. The freshmen aren't supposed to start, really. Uh-huh. But uh, it just, and, and maybe you can say that he can. he's playing within himself, he's not trying to do too much, but, I mean, he played 15 minutes against Purdue, 0 of 3 from the floor. He missed two three-pointers. Uh, he did have three rebounds and a block, but that was about it. Um, you know, Bakari, uh, he, he played 27 minutes. He was 1 of 5. He did have five rebounds, but, you know, turned the ball over four times. Only had one assist. The only starter to have an assist in that game. Um, you know, Tavon Walker, he played 23 minutes, and it was during that game that, that Coach Lodick said, he looks tired, he looks gassed, let's ask him about it and then the next day Tavon said he couldn't practice they took him to the hospital found out that he had mono and there we are we'll talk about that a little bit later uh but Marcus Golder a guy that you know at the end of the day when you're going up against a a team like Purdue that's full of athletes you want your athletes to show out Mm -hmm. 12 minutes missed both shots two personal fouls yeah I mean no other stats all zeros across the board right and that's that's tough. Uh, Max Joseph played okay in that game, but then he also had some moments too where, you know, he, he took a three pointer in a possession that you know he hadn't hit one all year, I think, and uh, and it just there was a lot of struggles from the team. Sure, but again, Purdue was who we thought they were, and yep. Valpo, relatively speaking, was who we thought they were in mm-hmm. that game. I don't know how much stock you put in it, other than to say that. Okay, Valpo probably can't compete with a top 20 team in the country right now, but did we expect them to be able to with all the freshmen and sophomores on the team? Yeah, and I think that's the thing is that, you know, we talked about it beforehand. I, you know, I think we both predicted somewhere between 15 and 20 points would be the outcome. Now, not obviously neither of us picked 30, but, uh, you know, it was a team that's 8 0. I don't think either of us really expected that it would get that out of hand, but obviously it did. But that's, again, you know, Purdue's top. 25 team in the country they're ranked if not better they got four seniors that start too right and so you know their experience Valpo's still young and also just new right I mean it's a lot of players that have either haven't played you know in a in a bit because of transfer or because they're young they're freshmen and it's it's just it was a tough game for Valpo to you know, even to compete in, I mean, it's it's Purdue, you know, it's Big Ten. You know, I remember, and I don't know if I mentioned this on the podcast recently because I've, I've said it to a number of people, so I don't know where I've all said it, but uh, Keith Freeman, former Valpo women's basketball coach, used to always tell me, um, you know, after tough losses or, or even good wins when or when it is, a team of his would struggle, he would always say, there's no shortcutting the process, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you trained for American Ninja Warrior, then, I mean, you took some time off of it. You you can't just hop right back to where you were at in the training process, right? right? You no. Can, you, cannot, you cannot shortchange the process that it takes yep. for, for anything. And look, look back to the Alec Peters freshman year team. We're going to talk about the last time that Valpo teams lost three games in a row. Mm-hmm. It was the beginning of their freshman year. They lost at Illinois, they lost at Ohio, and they lost to Evansville. The last time they lost two regular season games in a row was Cleveland State and Wright State at the end of that year. Uh, that 
led to a very good sophomore year where they got to the NCAA tournament, a junior year where they go to the NIT, and a senior year where everything blew up. <laughs> but uh, but you cannot short you can't shortcut the process ever. No. And people can point to Parker Hazen right now and say that the guy is maybe in over his head a little bit. Sure, you can point to. Uh, you know, a guy like Golder against Purdue, where was he? A guy like Bradford, you know, 10 minutes, didn't score at all in the game. You know, McMillan fouling out in 10 minutes. Linson getting five minutes and, and not doing a whole lot with it. You can point to any one of these guys, but again, you cannot shortcut the process, right? No, not at all. It's It's a tough game. And, you know, hopefully for them, just picked up, some things to learn from it and also you know noted what it's like to play against top tier competition and you know how how i think this this is a game that was necessary for this transition into the missouri valley yeah. right because it's totally it's going to be totally different from horizon league basketball competition we just kind of assume is going to be much tougher um night in and night out there there's not an there's not a Cleveland State on the no. on the the schedule this year. No. Or uh, or I mean last year until they beat Valpo in the tournament. There's not a Milwaukee on the schedule this <laughs> right. year. Uh, that it looks like a very tough conference. No, yeah. And so I think personally that this kind of game is necessary because it's it's almost like a tune-up, right? You're playing guys that are better than you, and you're seeing how you're going to fare against them. And in this case. It was not good, but it, it better then than in conference play when it matters, right? Yeah, absolutely. And so speaking of conference play, I would dare say that the game at Ball State had a Missouri Valley conference feel I'd agree. to it. I think that Ball State could also fare very well in the Valley. Mm-hmm. I don't know where the MAC and the Valley kind of compare to each other. I've, I've not studied the Valley much in you know, previous years, and I certainly have not looked at the MAC much. Sure. I mean, it's just a conference uh, out to the east there that I just have not paid a lot of attention to. Uh, so Valpo goes in, and now, as we said, I felt this was the game, the first game that there was a true coin flip as to what was going to happen. Um, you know, Valpo's almost always going to be favored at home in, in a non-conference game. Mm-hmm. Valpo's almost always on neutral site courts have a good shot to win. Um their road games they played SIU Edwardsville, Valpo's favorite in that one, and Purdue they're going to lose. So this Ball State game felt like a coin flip, and you find out the morning of that Tavon Walker's out. Now suddenly it's it's not so much of a coin flip. It's you know you're 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 you know dealing with uh, with rolling the dice here, and maybe four of the numbers come up for Ball State and two of them come up for Valpo in terms of the odds. But uh, Valpo held their own, leading in the first half. They end up losing, which is the first time in Matt Loddock's coaching career that Valpo's lost the game they've led at the half. Right. Uh, but again, I, I thought uh, something that I thought was really important was Joe Burton in the last two games. Yes, I'd agree. Yeah, because what he in in the Purdue game he had 19, I think, and yeah. then in the Ball State game he had 17. And these games were necessary for him, like you said, because. We had talked. We talked about previously on podcasts, and we've also talked, you know, just at the arc while watching games up there on the track. Is that we kind of expected Joe to be the second option, and maybe sometimes the first option, the first, right? Yeah. Scoring wise, that is, and we hadn't really seen that, and it was just kind of more as like you watch, and it was like he just doesn't look as aggressive as he could be. But in these two games, 
he kind of showed out a little bit and and they were both now they were both losses but those are tough games and it's it's nice to see that in games that are going to be difficult and games that are going to you know show Valpo some adversity that Joe Burton is going to be there through it and he scored 11 points in the first half and was limited by foul trouble and he played nine minutes in the first half but hitting a couple of three-pointers, and I talked to him yesterday at practice, and he said, you know, hitting those early three-pointers is exactly what I needed to do, and, and that kind of got the confidence going. Again, looking at the box score, man, Parker Hazen, 12 minutes, didn't take a shot, mm-hmm. two rebounds, two turnovers, two fouls. Is it time to make a change? And, and, and here's the problem. Who do you, wh- what do you do? Right. Because against Northwestern, you can't. I mean, maybe so. If you have Tavon, okay, maybe you take Parker Hazen out. You put Marcus Golder at the four, but you can't do that against Northwestern, and you don't have Tavon. Right. That's yeah, and that's the problem because they do like to go to that you know kind of smaller lineup at times where they do put Marcus in there. But it just yeah. I mean, if you're playing competition like Northwestern, if you're playing a bigger team, I just don't know that that translates as well as it could you know you know and i don't think you can put malik mcmillan in the starting lineup because the fouls are a problem right and against ball state he played nine minutes and he he still makes you know very freshman plays yeah he looks good at at great at times but other times you know he's he's still a freshman he makes those plays and against a team like northwestern those plays are are not going to go you know Overwhelmed, yeah. for lack of a better term. If I'm if I'm Valpo, I take Hazen out of the starting lineup and I put John Kaiser in. That's my call. That's interesting. I Why? Put, I put Kaiser in the lineup because, and not to sound like a broken record for Matt Lodic, <laughs> you know what you're going to get from, from Kaiser. That's fair. You, Kaiser will, Kaiser plays bigger than his body size. Sure. Now against Northwestern, I don't know, maybe you got to go with Hazen against Northwestern just because of the size factor. Mm-hmm. And you just hope that it's a bit more baptism by fire for him. But I'm probably still leaning toward John Kaiser right now. Uh, I just, I I like the grit that Kaiser plays with. And I don't think, I mean, he attacked Alec Peters every day in practice. I don't think that he gets nervous about anything. No. I'm not saying that's what's happening to Parker Hazen well, here. When you, I mean, when you think about it, you know, John Kaiser, he doesn't really have anything to be nervous about. I mean, he's had he's had to fight his way all the way up to where he is now, and he's done a great job of it. So, really, it's just it's just more of he's. I think at this point, he's just kind of playing his role, knows what he does, and you know, if he goes out there and does well, great. If he doesn't, he's going to try to get better. And like everyone says, you know what you're getting. And now I don't I don't know what Parker's stats are for the year. But it it kind of seems every time we check up, it, I mean it's been it's been tough. He's lowest on the team in points per game. He scored sixteen points in ten games. Wow. Uh, he's five of seventeen from the. He's just not a shooter right now. Oh you know? no, certainly he, not. He's over five. Over five from the three point line. Um, he's got twenty rebounds. He's averaging two rebounds a game. Four assists. Fourteen turnovers. One block. Only guy on the roster without a steal. And look, by no stretch are we saying here that Parker Hazen is a bad player. Yeah, no, certainly not. Parker Hazen is a freshman. And I actually think that Parker could benefit from sitting back, seeing how the game unfolds at the beginning of the game, and then going in and attacking a little bit. You know, does that that make sense? Well, I mean, it's certainly something to think about. I think... 
you know, I don't I don't think Coach Lodick would have started him for ten games if he didn't think there was a method to the madness. You know what I mean? I I I think I think there's probably a reason he's doing it. And if if he changes that strategy, then I, you know I don't know what reason it'll be. You know, eleventh game in yeah, that, that yeah. it took that to happen. But I'm I'm sure that. Ten consecutive starts means something. I and I don't know what it means. I don't have, you know, enough of a coach's mind to know how that goes, especially yeah. when you look at numbers and everything. But that's another thing. <laughs> you know, we look at numbers a lot. Sometimes numbers do lie. Yeah, numbers honestly. lie. Numbers lie a lot. I right. Mean, there's a lot of things I think that Parker can do that don't show up in the stat sheet. Yeah. There's a lot of things that we've said about Max Joseph that he can do that don't show up in the stat Big sheet. Big time. And then he has a game like he did against Ball State, and they did score up, uh, did show up in the stat sheet. The The final point I'll make here about uh, Hazen and Kaiser be- before we get to Max Joseph is uh, Hazen's played 133 minutes. Kaiser's played 163. So Kaiser has played more than Hazen. So maybe we're at a point right now where it's a confidence thing. Where right. If you take Hazen out of the starting lineup, do you lose the do you Loses lose it? that, sure. And, and I don't know. I mean, I think... I think maybe for the first five, six, seven games, you think about that. When you get to game 10 and you still haven't seen any noticeable improvement, he's shooting, he's the only guy on the team shooting less than 30% from the floor. Um, I I just think that uh, that maybe it's time for a change. It could be. But, you know, they did this with Bradford last year too. You know, they put him in the lineup, they took him out of the lineup, they got him some experience and everything, and, yep. and you've done that with Hazen. I still think that that I still think he's going to be a very important basketball player for Valpo. I agree. Before maybe even this year is done, let alone his career. Mm-hmm. So uh, going back to the Ball State game, Max Joseph played 32 minutes off the bench, eight points, 11 rebounds, three assists, and really made a lot of great plays. I think when you po- look at the box score, you're going to say Valpo lost, and you want to look for reasons as to why Valpo lost. If that shot doesn't go in at the end and you realize, okay, Valpo won, you got to point to Max Joseph and what he did. He yep. had four offensive rebounds. He, he was he was in the middle of everything. He's really, really improved as a defender, and uh, he did very well. Bakari Evelyn had a good game. Burton was aggressive. Uh, but, again, what we saw on the final possession there for Valpo, or the second-to-last possession, when Taylor Persons, the guy who buried a game-winning three-pointer against Notre Dame, Hits the shot against Valpo. Joe Burton out there. The the and then he said you didn't get a chance to really watch the game. The way I that, saw the highlight at the end there. The way that it unfolded was Kaiser went to the free throw line. Uh, Max Joseph had hit two free throws earlier to kind of you know give them the lead, and uh, and Kaiser uh, split a pair of free throws. If he hits the second one, Valpo's up three, and then then you got to play the do I or do I not foul game. Right. He misses it. Well now you're you're up two, and you just you got to run him off the line. You cannot give up a three point shot in that situation. And Taylor Persons, give him credit, he took and made a very good shot. And I don't know what Joe Burton could have done differently on it. You know, have you seen the highlight? Yeah, no, I mean he played pretty solid defense. It was it's a good shot. It's just a good shot. I think that sometimes I know you people always want to blame something. I think it's sometimes you just got to tip your hat to the guy. Even though he looked like, uh, you know, Taylor Persons looked like almost every, like, late teenage villain from a movie. <laughs> you know, like, he, he kind of right. like, he, okay. what, what Taylor Persons looked like to me was like, and I, I might even get some grief for this, but like, 
if like the little bully kid from from a Christmas story grew up, that's what he ended up looking like. That's like he got in Malik McMillan's face at one point and he was like he was mimicking, you know, stop talking, you're running your mouth and they I mean, but I think Taylor Persons, if he's on your team, you love him. Yeah, if he's, if he's not, not on your him. team. It was a lot of Aaron Craft to his game. Yeah, Marshall which, Henderson. Marsh, yeah. Uh, which, when I say there's a lot of Aaron Craft to a game or Marshall Henderson, that's actually a huge compliment. Absolutely. So, yeah. Uh, I mean, anyone who can stay in college basketball for eight years. Well, that know? was Marshall Henderson. Right. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, Taylor Persons, actually, he was uh, at Northern Kentucky when they were still in the Atlantic Sun. He was the Atlantic Sun freshman of the year. Uh, and then he transferred to Ball State and did not. Valpo would have gotten to know Taylor Persons quite a bit had uh, had he stayed at Northern Kentucky. So Valpo loses the game. Uh, more importantly, though, they, uh, they're they without Tavon Walker for the time being. And I don't know how long this is going to go. Mm-hmm. I was uh, I was bored um, at a moment on uh, on Saturday, so I, I allowed... Uh, I allowed myself to humor myself on Twitter, and I mapped out a scenario as to how Tavon Walker could redshirt this year. I remember year. that, yep. And uh, it's not going to happen. Oh, no. He's I mean, 24 years yeah, old. Yeah, no, there's no chance. I mean, he's like, how, be, how old are you, Parker? I will be 24 in February. He's older than you are. Yeah. And you walk around like you're an old man sometimes. I, you're also a ninja, but whatever. Uh, I mean, I feel like it. But, yeah, no, yeah, he's older than I am. And... Yeah, and I think, and especially after you know going to draft workouts and and hearing that he can defend at an NBA level and just needs to work on offense, there'd be no way you know at 24 years. I mean, why? Oh, why? hey, I'm gonna come back for another year of college basketball. Yeah. And hey, by the way, draft me, even though I'm 25. Yeah, it's... and and so and Max Joseph's also 24 years old. It's the way that the that it works with high school, and then they went to uh, the the prep school, the college that they went to. And, uh, and it ultimately is the way the school system shakes out. I didn't even know their age. I was halfway through tweeting out, could Tavon redshirt when Aaron Levitt shot me a text message and said, you do know he's 24, don't you? And I was like, no, but they don't, they don't list birth dates on the bios anymore because right. personal identity theft and all of those things. So, mm-hmm. uh, or whatever the reasoning they don't have for giving out birthdays. I just want to send a guy a Christmas card or a birthday card, and, and we can't even figure out how old these guys are. So, uh so Valpo now they got Northwestern. It's going to be a tough one without Tavon Walker. Uh, but Valpo's played tough games before without without key players. Mm-hmm. Last year, <laughs> a lot of them. Last year they had thirty games by starters that they didn't that they didn't have because of the Jabril Adekoya situation. Tavon Walker missed a couple games. Alec Peters missed four games at the end of the year. It was really those three alone that stood out to me. Yep. Um, what you know is it is it Bakari is it Marcus who needs to who needs to supplement Joe here in the wake of Tavon being out? Yeah, that's I mean it's tough to say. I think I think you you look at what Bakari has done in previous games. Um, you look at this game, the Ball State game, and also um, where he had thirty against. Yeah, that was the 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 game Wilmington, I believe that was right. So I mean, you know, he's shown that he has the ability to ball out and be that big option, you know, on offense. Um, but at the same time, you know, I mean, he's also, he's your point guard. So, do you, I mean, do you want that? Do you do you want him to be, you know, facilitating more and playmaking? Because, I mean, you know, that's what he's best at is playmaking and, and, you know, being a floor general. But it's, I don't know. I don't, I don't know that 
this is a question we've had to really you know answer before because Devon hasn't been out yeah of late yeah. so. so. Well, it'll be interesting to see what happens against Northwestern. I It's hard for me to put a lot of stock in this game. Again, kind of like the Purdue game, I don't think it'll be as bad. And then I see Northwestern go on a 55-8 first half against Chicago State the other night. Right. And uh, and I think, you know, this Northwestern team, they could, be, they could be pretty solid. So then as we look what happens after that, then Valpo goes out west at Santa Clara, at UC Riverside. Um, and then valley play, and then and then conference play begins. So what what do you think? Um, you know, I mean, obviously Santa Clara is going to be you know both these games on the road. This is the first time in like fifty years that Valpo's got six straight road games. Yeah, it's a tough stretch. I mean, that's really hard. I think you know, didn't we we talked about this before? And I think I said that I thought they would go two and four. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and well, they're uh, what are they now? They're zero and two on this road. Zero and two. I think, I think my initial thought was that they would get Riverside and either um, Santa Clara or or Ball State. I think that was how I was thinking. So obviously, I didn't get Ball State. So well, so Northwestern's probably an L. Um, you know, or, you know, I, I just, without Tavon, I think it's difficult. And then Santa Clara is, uh, obviously, Valpo owes them a little something. <laughs> right. Uh, but, again, you're going on the road. It's going to be a yeah, tough one. Yeah, it's at one. their place. Nine o'clock at night, you're going, you're playing. That's nah, tough, uh, and, You know, obviously, they go out there on Saturday, so I think they've got a couple days to get adapted to the uh, the time change. And then you've got Riverside. I really don't don't know anything about either one of these teams yet. We know Santa Clara had some talent last year, but like Valpo, they were upperclassmen. And uh, and then you come back, you got, you know, time off for Christmas with your family. You've got to win that Riverside game because there's nothing more miserable than going into a break and having a loss mm-hmm. and and just I remember, you know, talking to Peters last year after losing to Santa Clara, I think was the uh, the game right before the holiday season last year. Uh, they played that on the 22nd and had the double overtime loss, and and the Christmas presents are a little worse. You know, the food doesn't taste as good. Sure. And then they came back and they, you know, they whooped up on Chicago State UIC in the first couple of games after that. But I think you got to really, uh, you got to take that one. And then really the most important game of the next four is at Indiana State. Yep. And, and that's, I mean, that's going to be tough because it's, it's at Indiana State. You know, there's, they're pretty decent. And they beat, but first, they beat Indiana this that's, year. That's what I'm saying. Other than that, I mean, you know, but like, it's, it's, I, mean, I don't know, it's going to be, it's the first game of Missouri Valley play. Which is big. You know, you got to, you've got to look at, at, at that. Now, the only, the only silver lining here for Valpo as we look at the Missouri Valley Conference standings is that, you know, Indiana State's five and five. Mm-hmm. Every you know, what's the only team? The only team that's got a losing record right now is Illinois State, who <laughs> went seventeen and one in conference last year. Right. Yep. So, this is a this ain't the Horizon League. Let's see. Let's go look at the Horizon League for a second, just so we can feel better about ourselves. Sure. Uh, Youngstown State. Ah, much more eight. familiar. Youngstown State's two and eight. They don't have a non-division one. Oh, that's or, weird. They don't have a D one win yet. Uh, UIC is uh, UIC with all those studs that they have are yep. three and six. Ugh. Green Bay, three and six. No Cleveland more. State, three and six. Detroit, four and six. Although I don't even know who's coaching their team right now. 
and then uh, and then sure. Oakland. Even though Oakland's six and four, they have you know they've got injuries up mm-hmm. and down. Uh, yeah, it's just it's tough. Northern Kentucky, where they are. I've actually been told by multiple people on Twitter never to mention the Horizon League again, or they're going to unfollow me. So we probably just <laughs> lost a bunch of. Uh, a bunch well, of, you know. You know, whatever. It sorry, is, sorry, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you so... can't deny your past. It happened, people. <laughs> All right, it makes you who you are now. Oh, that's wonderful. All right, Parker, we're gonna uh, we're gonna wrap the, our portion of this up right here, yep. and uh, and and now you'll just get to hear me talking to uh, <laughs> a couple of uh, former Valpo guys, Milo Stovall and uh, Coach Joe Otis. Uh, Parker, what do you got planned for the for the break? Oh, Paul, it's uh, you know it's gonna be fun. Just uh, I'll go home for about a week and uh, visit family in in Vegas and in Southern California, so that'll be fun. But other than that, you know, just working. That's 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 life. Work, train. That's it. There you go. What about uh, you? Uh, you know, um, Star Wars. Oh, I'll, yes. I'll see it at least once, if not four times. Probably, uh, yes. And then Eminem on repeat is, uh, <laughs> is where I'm at. Uh, one point that I want to make, Revival. actually. Yeah, exactly. One point I want to make, and this is something that's interesting here, is we look at, you know, Northwestern, no. then Santa Clara, Riverside, Indiana State, Missouri State. Valpo's got five more games left this month. They're currently 0-2 in this month. Uh, this was something I wanted to mention earlier here. Uh, you know, Valpo went 8-0 in the month of November. Obviously, they were undefeated. We talked about right. that. That was the second perfect month in the last 70 years, minimum of three games. Uh, Valpo was, is likely to to drop the Northwestern game, and they could move to 0-3. Um, but then they still have four more games. Valpo went 0-3 in November of 2004. They played Cincy, Central Michigan, and Charlotte. You have to go back... To 1990, 91, to uh, to 1991, to find a month where they played more than three games, where they lost all of them. Wow! They went 0 and 10 in February of 1991 to close out the season, and uh, that was a uh, that was a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. <laughs> and uh, nice segue. Th- th- thank you. And that was the the second year. Uh, excuse me. Excuse me. That was the third year of the Homer Drew experiment. Which uh, which turned out okay. Yeah, it was all right. Yeah, it was good. So uh, and he and he brought some people along with him that turned and, out all right. And he did, yes, yes. So uh, I'll say this: Valpo, zero and two right now in December. I don't think they're going to go zero and seven in December. No. But if they do, it's still not zero and ten in nineteen ninety one in February. Right, and even if they do, they're wow. still prom. Wait, actually, I have to say something because I. When you were um, when you were putting things out after the Ball State game and everything, um, I was just reading through comments. This is one thing I wanted to mention, but someone had said something. I don't remember who it was, but someone had mentioned something about about Coach Lodic and and him needing to go. And I laughed. Oh yeah, no, there was a crazy guy on Twitter. <laughs> you got to you got to keep the eggnog away from people this I'm time tell- of year. I laughed. I actually laughed out loud because I was like, this is ridiculous yeah no no that guy uh that guy i know you're never supposed to judge people on their twitter followers but he had like four right twitter followers (laughs) right right and uh but no he was he was insane i don't know he's he said he was an alum he said he was embarrassed to uh to have valpo represent him and uh yeah that was fun um you know sometimes we call it fake news and sometimes we say that social media is uh, where things happen that aren't aren't real, mm-hmm. but that guy proved it all right there. Oh yeah, so. no, that was crazy, and 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 you know, 
then I looked back. I tried to find some of the tweets because I was interested, and I think they were all deleted. I think it was the eggnog. I think the guy. I think he got a little probably was a little liquored up. Uh, probably read a few too many of the Marcus Golder more hops in your favorite RPA <laughs> or or Michael Bradford more shots in a twenty first birthday. He he probably took those to heart, and uh, and there we go. So, all right, Parker. I hope Santa brings you everything that you're asking for. Uh, you and, too, Paul. Uh, and I, you know what? We don't have a special Christmas edition Union Street hoops, as far as I know. Uh, I can't. You know, last year it was Fulmer Drew, and I don't think we're going to be able to top. Well, that, so. you know, Valpo basketball really is the gift that keeps on giving. So <laughs> that it is. So I assume that next week after the uh, Santa Clara Riverside games, we'll uh, we'll we'll do a little something something. But uh, three games in the next week. And then Valpo's got a break for Christmas. So, Parker, thank you very much. Have a great holiday. Joined now by a very special guest. I didn't think I was going to be able to get this guy because, man, this guy's on the grind, working nonstop, raising a beautiful family, and uh, and working up there in Minnesota. we got Dwayne Totley, D-Totes, in the house. Yes, sir. Dwayne, good to have you. How, how, how are things going there? Excellent, excellent. Can't complain. Got two, two little ones uh, running around and one on the way. So, you know, we're busy. Very good. I uh, had a chance to see you in person last year, last summer, uh, 2016. I was up in Minneapolis, and, and man, you look like you can still go out there and, and put up 30. <laughs> I'd like to think so. Not the case, but, uh, <laughs> you know, we do what we can to try to stay in shape, I guess you could say. Well, when you got some little ones running around, that's, that's got to that's gotta help. Uh, you've got such an interesting Valpo story, and I don't want to take up your time to go through the whole thing right now, but but to 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 end up at Valpo to play alongside one of your closest friends Jared Nunez, uh, you are a walk on. You earned a scholarship, and ultimately you get to the end of your senior year and you get hit with mono and you miss I think a handful of games. I think you missed four games there. Um, you know, there's two different things I want to ask you about. Let's start with mono. That's the topic of conversation today. Uh, you know, Valpo star Tavon Walker has been hit with mono. What I know it's a long time ago, 17 years ago, but but what do you remember about that experience, and and how does it hurt you as a basketball player to 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 go through that kind of physical ailment? You know, it's to be honest, there's two sides of it. Um, one is one would be the mental letdown that you have, um, in either letting your teammates down, your coaches down. Um, yourself down in, in a sense um and it stinks because you can't be you can't be a factor in the way things go so i did miss four games remember it vividly um we went three and one so it wasn't a big deal but um you know it, it stinks because you're stuck you're essentially quarantined away from the team can't practice um can't travel so you know, your your job is basically to rest. So from that regard, it really stunk. On the flip side, um, it was the last four regular season games that we had, conference. And so I came back, which would have been for our conference tournament. Um, that being said, I lost, I lost weight, which good and bad, I guess. But for me, um, it gave my chance. It gave me a chance or my body a chance to kind of recover and get fresh so my legs were more fresh when I got back um, I'd lost weight so I was a little bit quicker in my estimation um, my wind 
might have been questionable, but, you know, being a senior, it's like you don't have another shot. So, I, I, you know, you could drag me off the court before I'm going to say or at least admit that I'm tired. So in that realm, it, it felt good once I got back. But sitting out was the part that really stunk for me. And you missed, yeah, I think at Oakland, uh, and then a home game against IUPUI, which was a loss, which was, right. uh, which that had to have been really difficult because I don't, other than that might have been one of the few home losses of the year. The only home loss of the year that year was was against IUPUI, and then at Western Illinois, which I mean, if you said you can't travel, you got out of having to go to Macomb, Illinois. That's a that's a positive in, in my book. <laughs> And then, uh, then the home finale against Chicago State. You came back for the conference tournament and ultimately ended in the championship loss to Southern Utah, which yes. we're going to have Milo Stovall on here in a little bit. And uh, I know that's crushing for him because he didn't get cleared. He didn't get back. What was uh, – was it a daily or weekly thing about, about you know, can I get cleared? How, how did they test you and what, what – I mean, did you know it was going to be okay four games and then I'm back, or was it was it like a daily thing? Didn't know, to be honest. And it was it was um, ultimately ultimately it's exhaustion. At least it was in my case. Um, and so the body breaks down. I was sick. I couldn't eat. My my throat swelled up, so I couldn't swallow. Um, and so you're I was basically exhausted. And so. Um, they said, hey, it's mono, we just got to track it, and you need to rest, and, um, you know, I got some medicine, I don't remember what it was, or, but that was ultimately what it was, and they just track it, and you just kind of sit and chill. I mean, fortunately, we were pretty deep as a team, so it wasn't too terrible for the team. I mean, we did lose to IUPUI uh, at home, but 3-1, and one, you know, can't complain about that. Um but, yeah, it was day-to-day. So, I mean, I, you knew it would be, I think, maybe two weeks was the earliest you could return, um, which would have been four games, and that just so happened to be the case for me. I think, you know, it's it's ironic because you sat out four games. I think Milo Stovall started a chunk of those games, and then uh, then I think Mike Nelke ended up sliding in the starting lineup at one point, too, and it was, uh, it was a unique challenge. Speaking of challenges, i got to ask you about the other thing. Valpo's got a player this year by the name of John Kaiser. Came in last year as a walk-on. Um, by the end of the year, he was playing important minutes. And over the offseason, was granted a scholarship to be on the uh, on the team. What what was that like for you to come in as a walk-on? And, and I mean, obviously today, social media, all these guys get these videos about scholarships and all that. Uh, what do you remember about that whole process? Uh, you know, for me, the process was great. Um, I probably needed some time to mature in terms of uh, my game. And, you know, transferring in from another school, I, I was forced to sit out a year. And that year allowed me to mature. So um, in that year, you're just playing scout team. And you're learning other other teams' offenses, defenses, et cetera, which broadens your knowledge of the game and uh, gave me a time to develop personally. And so that process was great for me. Um, you know, I'd consider myself a late bloomer. There's a lot of people. Milo, for instance, you know, he, he was 
a superstar from the start. So it wasn't ever a, a need for him to take a year out to develop, whereas I needed that. So um, it was a great experience for me to learn, you know, expand my basketball IQ, learn the program, um, learn the coaches, the players, and really, you know, see how I can contribute. And, you know, you just try to fit in the way that you can to either get minutes or catch the coach's attention so that you can get that opportunity to play and then hopefully you can take advantage of it when you get in there. So that was really my experience. And it it just worked out similar to uh, the situation now. Well, I think a lot of times fans look at a walk-on and anytime they do anything above and beyond, you know, a, a human victory cigar moment at the end of the game, they get really excited about it. But I would have to imagine if you are the walk-on, you don't look at yourself as a walk-on, right? I mean, I don't think you, I don't think you walk into the gym and think, well, those guys all deserve something more than I, I deserve. I mean, what was there a mentality that that you had to want it more than anybody else, or kind of how does that how does that work? How do you not get pigeonholed into the well? I'm expected to just be in the game for the blowout at the end of it. Yeah, I think I think there is. Depends on your mentality and what motivates you. For me, um, at the time, based on my scenario, it was more or less to prove to myself that um, I could play at this level. And you know, honestly, I got to give credit to Jared Nunes, who knew my situation prior to transferring and gave me gave me the confidence to say, "You can do it." He said, "I don't know what's going to happen here, but you have the ability and." You're playing with people like we play with at home. So you're not going to see anything that you haven't seen or that you're not seeing every summer or when you return home, and you can do it. So, you know, with his sort of encouragement coming in, I said, okay, I can play at this level, number one. And then number two, coming in, there's an element of me that had to prove it to myself that I had the ability to do it. And so, you know, it just depends on what motivates you personally as to what it takes. Um, I never viewed myself as quote unquote, a walk on, um, you know, you kind of carry yourself that way in, in terms of doing the things that the staff wants you to do. But in terms of your individual confidence level, um, you know, you just have to, you just have to carry it. And I think you get that naturally playing players, you play seeing players that, you know, you could compete against maybe going to a big school and getting that scholarship that you felt you could have gotten if, you know, or excelled that if you got the opportunity. I mean, that those are the things that I see. I mean, every player will play against somebody that they feel they're just as good as or better than that has an opportunity that they don't. And that was kind of my mentality. Uh, against Two years at Valpo, I gotta think going to the NCAA tournament there your uh, your junior year was uh, was something that you really enjoyed. Um, but I mean, obviously, it was going against Michigan State, which was a tough game. But um, is uh, is there a sweetest win uh, beyond you know the conference championship game? I would think the Ohio State win in Alaska was a big one. Is there anyone else that stands out to you? Uh, a big one. No, you know, to me, I treasured every moment. I mean, specifically after the mono scenario. Um, you know, there was, I would say, at the time, you know, the conference has shifted, but, like, winning at Youngstown was a big deal at the time. Absolutely, yeah, it was. 
you know, we never, I don't think I, we never beat Southern Utah at the time in Southern Utah. So that was something we didn't accomplish. Um, but yeah, any, any major team was, was, was a challenge for us. And we, we, we tried to strive for beating them. And so that, that would definitely be something that we hung our hat on. But I mean, you know, you're in the grind. You want to win everything. You, you this is a, this is a, a moment in time, meaning the years you're there, that, you know, everything matters. So I, I don't know that any stood out. I mean, going to the tournament was one, and losing to the national champion, I mean, that's something regardless of how the game went. You know, we played the best of the best. So it wasn't as if we were upset or lost to somebody. I mean, we lost to the, the national championships, the national champions that year. So, I mean, even in loss, that's something to hang your hat on. We played the very best. We know what it's like. We can talk about it, and, you know, we got to the other side of it. So, Very good. Dwayne Totley, thank you very much for joining. What, uh, what, what's life like, uh, you know, after you, did, you didn't play at all after, uh, after graduate? I mean, professionally or anything, but you've got a good career up there in Minnesota. Do you follow college basketball still? As much as I can. I mean, you're once a crusader, always a crusader, right? So it's been it's been fun to watch, um, at least from afar, um, the team play. And whenever they're on TV, obviously it's a big deal for me personally. Um, with the conference changing and things, dynamics change. But college basketball is still, you know, the number one sport I follow personally. So uh, I keep in tune to it. And with uh, – you know, Jared's coaching at Baylor now and Scott's at Baylor now and Bryce at Vanderbilt. I mean, you know, Coach Drew and his coaching tree, if you will, is really spread out. So that's been fun to be connected to that, no matter how, you know, little it is. Um, well, let, me, let me ask I, this. Let me ask this. If Baylor played Valpo, are you wearing brown and gold or are you wearing some green and yellow over there? It's always brown and gold. Come on. I I know you're close with Jared, but I had to ask. (laughs) It's not even a question. I mean, we give them a run for their money regardless. That's right. That's right. All right, Dwayne Totley, thank you very much for joining Union Street Hoops. And now we're going to swing it over to Milo Stovall. Milo, we just had a chance to hear from Dwayne Totley when he had Mono held him out of the last four games of the regular season. You were held out of four games with Mono, and it cost you the conference tournament. First of all, thanks for joining us on Union Street Hoops. I know it's a long time ago, but what do you remember about that situation? First and foremost, Paul, thanks for having me. Appreciate it, you know, uh, reaching out. Uh, yeah, that was a long time ago. Uh, you know, I vaguely we had an issue with a water bottle situation and uh, uh, with myself and then, you know, a couple other players. Uh, May or may not have had it as well, but um, I ended up, you know, having symptoms of it. And, you know, it was just so happened to be during the conference tournament. Um, it was unfortunate. You know, I tried everything I could to play. Uh, you know, I even uh, tried to sign a waiver saying that if anything happened, you know, uh, Coach Drew and Valpo wasn't viable and all that stuff. You know, it was just a player's mentality, but – um, Coach Drew was always, you know, keeping our best interest in hand, and you know, it was like, you know, you have other games, so I had to sit there and, and watch, you know, uh, the team fall short, you know, and, and I heard.
hurt with, you know, when they hurt. So it was just, it was just that season. How, how, how did it, you know, what Valpo is dealing with right now is they've got their best player. They, they played against Purdue the other night, and he just, he looked a step slow. He looked like he was exhausted. They, they talked to him a couple, you know, after the game the next day, and he couldn't even, he couldn't even get to practice. Was it, was it, did it build, do you remember? Or was it, were you just exhausted? Or was it something where they said, hey, we're testing everybody and your levels came back a certain way? How did, how did you find out that you had it? You know, it just felt, you know, really fatigued, you know, and, and you, you think it may be just from playing games and practices and just putting in a lot of work and, you know, your body needs rest, but it's just, you're just really sluggish, even out on the court, you know, and, and even when you do get a little bit of rest, it's like you, you're, you need more rest than you normally do, um, and it just, it just drains you, you know, you don't have any energy out there and, you know, um, Aside from that, you know, you, you, you know, your spleen, you know, you have the thing with your spleen could, you know, happen. So, um, you know, with it bursting and stuff. So, it's all kind of stuff that goes on with your body that just makes it so, you know, you, you just can't play. I can't even, you know, having mono for a normal everyday person will will knock them down. I can't even imagine for a Division One athlete and the amount of energy you expend on a court – but as as Dwayne said just a little bit ago, and as I'm sure how you feel, you nobody wants to sit out, you know. And 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 how much of a fight was it to try to say? Look, and you said you you would sign a waiver. I mean, how much was it? You know, you wanted to play because you're a player, and how much is it? You you want to play because you don't want to let your teammates down. Uh, you know, as a player first, you know you don't you don't want to let your teammates down. As a competitor, you want to be out there, you know, competing with, you know, you know, with your team. Um, it took everything, you know, and the coaching power and staff, you know, and, uh, and, and, the, and the staff, you know, um, to get me not to play. I can remember being in Fort Wayne and there was so much, is he, is he not going to be cleared uh, did you have, I mean, was it a day to day thing? Do you, I, again, we're asking you to go back 17 years in your mind here, but, um, do you know, I mean, was it, was it every day you would take a test or something? I don't even know how they test for mono, to be honest. Um, it's a blood test and so it was, it, it wasn't, I don't, I don't think it was day to day. I think it was every other day, but once we got to the tournament, it was, you know, almost every day just checking to see what my levels were. Um, and, I mean, we tried everything, you know. Um, I tried, to, you know, all kind of stuff to build my immune system uh, back up as fast as possible. Um, you know, I went to go see uh, uh, a therapeutic doctor, uh, you know, to try uh, uh, an old remedy with uh, – Pins and needles and stuff. Uh, I tried everything. <laughs> so, uh, hey, you know, it, it's just it's one of those things. You know, as as a player and as a competitor, you want to be out there with your team. You know, you don't want to miss the game. You don't want to be out there, especially you know, at a time that important in the season. You know, you don't want to miss at all. Uh, so you're you know you're willing to try and do anything and everything possible. Um, you know. To, get yourself ready to play and, 
your body just says no, you know, you, you know, there's nothing that you can do, you know, but go out there and try. And that's where the coaching staff comes in and, you know, and, and, and uh, you know, the medical staff and, and everybody gets together and, you know, they put your best interest in hand because as a player, you're going to go out there and play. Hey, look, I'm a Green Bay Packer fan. I know that my guy wanted to be out there playing at quarterback for the last five weeks, and, and they finally they cleared him. So, uh, But, yeah, you see that. You had a lot of great wins in your time at Valpo, but I got to think the two losses that hurt the most are, are that game against Southern Utah in the championship that you didn't get to play in and then against Kentucky in you know the final game. Um, they've got to be painful for different reasons, but does obviously is your final game – did, was that a, more painful than, than having to sit out and not be able to play in the, the Midcon Championship game your junior year? Uh, ah, man, that's a tough question, Paul, um, because, you know, every time, you know, as a, as a senior, just like you're a senior in high school, when you, you know, that final game, you know, you're, you're not really looking at, you know, what's next. You know, you're looking at, man, this is the last game I get with, you know, the guys that I've been going to battle with, you know, night in and night out through practices, through, you know, blood, with blood sweat, and tears. Um, after the, you know, uh, my junior year, that game hurt because we lost and we weren't able to make it, you know, playing the uh, NCAA tournament um, like we had been. Um, but we knew we had another year or opportunity to make it. It's always tough, uh, you know, th- those – I think I think maybe I as a you know kind of an outsider, but kind of took those NCAA tournaments for granted because it always happened around Valpo, and even you know you had the hiccup of the junior year, which I would say that if Valpo's full strength, they ain't losing IUP or Southern Utah, excuse me. And then the year after you graduated, there was a tough game against IUPUI there, but um, and then to, to go on a long run, but uh, of of making it and then not making it. Um, what, uh, you know, stepping away from the mono situation, uh, obviously you played in a couple NCAA tournaments against Maryland, against Michigan State, and against Kentucky. Was the Michigan State game the one that stands out for you just because you're from Michigan? Was that a special game for you? Uh, yeah, it's always special, you know, playing against a hometown team, you know, uh, you know, our home state team, I should say. And, um, you know, they had a good team that won the national championship that year. Um, so, you know, it's tough, you know, it was a tough loss for us. Um, loss is tough because you want to move on and the ultimate goal is to, you know, is to play for a title. So, um, you know, we, it was tough to just, you know, not get past the first round, really. What was that like following the, uh, the, uh, kind of arriving on campus, after the whole uh, the shot in the Sweet 16 run, um, had you had you committed to Valpo before that shot was made? Yeah, I had just I had just committed before all of that uh, the big tournament run took place, and uh, you know it was amazing. You know because it, it set the expectations high. Uh, you know we had a lot of new guys coming in, uh, so. The expectations for everybody else was, you know, really not, they didn't know what to expect, you know, and, and everybody thought that we were going to be, you know, down. So, um, you know, the shot, the expectation of, you know, Valpo, 
come for the next couple years, or rebuilding, I should say, um, us new guys plus the guys that were already there, the veterans, you know, their tutelage helped us understand, um, you know, exactly what it took to get back to that level. Um, so our practices were really tough. We really went at each other. And, you know, our goals were, were to get back to that, you know, to that point. So, um, you know, the, it, it made for a great atmosphere around campus. Um, you know, and, and, it, and it just it helped us a lot. It helped us a lot. It gave us something to strive for. You graduated in 2002. You've done some coaching, correct? What, uh, what, where is life taking you since, since your days at Valpo? pay attention to college basketball or you you got a favorite team that you that you watch Michigan State should be a good one to watch this year. They've got uh, they've got maybe the best player, one of the best players in the country, and obviously they've got a great coach there. Uh, Milo, thank you for your time, and uh, you know, happy holidays to you and your family. And uh, thanks for joining. And got to get you back to the arc at some point here. We got to uh, we need a I don't want to say old timers because we're not quite old yet, and I'm not playing. I'll just announce it. But we need we need some uh, some of the the 2000 guys to get some run up here at the arc in the Hilltop Gym. Oh, that's great. That's great. All right, Milo, thank you very much, man. Be well, and we'll talk to you in the future. All right, thank you, Paul. Take it easy. Go Valpo.